pray that you'd help me to be faithful to the scriptures, to the message this morning. Pray that you would um, just touch the hearts of the folks who are here and help them to hear from you. Um, help us to, to just be the body of Christ together and help us to draw closer to each other and to you through this uh, time of hearing the message and, and teaching. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, I like art. Um, and I, uh, I like paintings. I like... Um, um, I, I have an interest in all of these things. When I lived in uh, D.C., uh, I, I would frequently go to the National Art Museums. I, I uh, have always wanted to buy paintings. And, in fact, actually I bought, um, I walked into the gallery and said, one art, please. And I got one of Craig's fine photographs um, that's hanging in my living room. Uh, and and I am not a, I'm not a judge of art, uh, but I know what I like, Right. And I, uh, this, 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 uh, past month or two months ago during the rummage sale, I found several pieces of fine art that I really liked and I brought one up here to show, show to you, to share with you. Now I read, uh, I read a biography of, um, Ernest Hemingway and, uh, one of Ernest Hemingway's like first books was about bullfighting and, and he talked about the, the strength and the power of bullfighting and the, the, um, sort of the manliness of it and, um, and I, I have not read that book yet. It is on my Amazon wish list. Uh, I think it's like Death in the Afternoon or, or something like that. It, it sounds fantastic. Um, but I, uh, I was thinking about that. I just read the book when I started working at the rummage sale, and I found a fine painting um, that I wanted to share with you all. It's hanging in my office. I actually have a series in this fine art collection of, of bullfighters. Um, I, I asked Craig, who, who knows art, and, and he, he, uh, he suggested I may have discovered something because, like most fine art, doesn't include velvet paintings, and perhaps I found, you know, a new median for, for fine art. Um, I, it's obviously, I'm not sure how many of y'all have owned velvet paintings. You can acknowledge, you can repent here. This is a place of forgiveness. It is not my first velvet painting. Um, I have actually like five of them hanging in my office. But the thing with velvet, um, if you have a black light, it, it enhances it a great deal, right? Um, my uncle had a, had a velvet Elvis with a rhinestone in his eye um, hanging in his basement. I really hope he sometimes listens to the sermons so he can hear that I remember that. Um, but the thing about velvet, okay, uh, what color is velvet? This is black velvet. Most velvet paintings are black, right? And on this black background, if you put a bright color, it kind of pops, right? And so if you look, like my velvet painting, you know, my lovely piece of art, um, like the white and the bullfighter's outfit, it just kind of jumps out, right? And the, the red cloak, you know, it kind of jumps out. It's very, like, in stark contrast to the dark um, velvet. And, and I, I'm using this as an illustration. We're going to come back to it, okay? Um, so everybody got this. This is actually a religious painting, and you didn't realize it. Um, I'm going to put it right... Well, no, where can I put it so you can continue to see it? It's unfortunate this fine piece of art is hidden in my office. Um, <laughs> so we're in John, and John has been talking about um, a number of things. Like he's writing this letter, First John, excuse me. Um, he's writing this letter, and he's addressing some false teaching that's going on in the in the... Uh, church at the time, and he 
asks, or like one of his recurring themes, and he did it in his gospel as well, is like darkness and light, right? Um, and you can tell the difference between darkness and light, right? I'm assuming most of us, like unless you have significant eye problems, like you know what's dark and what's light because you just know it. You know, you walk out into the middle of nowhere in Montana. Any of y'all ever had a breakdown on a gravel road at like 11, 12 o'clock at night and you get out of the car and it is dark, right? Yes, my wife drove over a screwdriver on New Year's Eve um, and got stranded out on, what was the? Yeah, it was on Judith Landing and she was way out in the middle of nowhere. She was following me and I was way ahead of her because she drives too slow. And um, <laughs> and she had my children, child, just one, uh, at the time. And I, I, you know, and she's in the dark. And when I came back and the headlights were there, it was a stark contrast for her, right? Like the light was evident. And so as we kind of work through this, John is going to talk about darkness and light, and we're gonna we're gonna work our way into this. Um, a little background, real quick. Um, John, uh, the apostle John, wrote the letter. John was like. Jesus' closest disciple. He actually refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. Um, he's the guy who leaned against Christ's chest at the Last Supper, or Supper, right? Like, they were very close friends. He's the one who watched Mary for the remainder of her life, like, after Jesus died and was resurrected and went back to heaven. Like, he took care of Mary. Um, in the previous sections of this letter, he's touched on a number of things, but I want to read the, the, the section right before, because, believe it or not, like, I know I break this down into chunks, but the chunks are all part of a bigger letter, right? And so, like, context is sort of king in understanding anything in the Bible. If somebody pulls a single verse out for you and they say, look, this is what it says, and, and it sounds wrong, open up and read the whole section, and usually you'll discover that it's out of context. Make sense? Um, so, we're going to back up about, I don't know, uh, seven verses um, my little children, I am writing you these things so that you do not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, real quick, John is saying, hey, um, I'm writing to you because I want you to overcome sin, right? Um, but if we do sin, um, which is like an if, when, right? I don't know about you guys, but man, sin is easy. And sometimes it's fun, and usually, like, I sort of back up and think, man, I really shouldn't have done that. And um, Anyway, uh, but when we do sin, we have Jesus, who is our advocate. He's like our lawyer. He stands before us in front of God, and he is the propitiation for our sin, meaning he took all the punishment for our sins so that we can be forgiven, and our advocate can say, hey, I, they're forgiven by my blood, right? Um, so he's the, the propitiation, the forgiveness. Um, and by this we know that we have come to him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in, keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. Now that's an important little sentence here for what we're going to talk about in a second. I'm going to read it again. Um, but whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. Meaning whoever follows Jesus' teachings, whoever is obedient to God, whoever has this like relationship with God. And we tend to think of this as like parochial, right? Um, how many of y'all in school, there was a list of rules you had to follow and it made school ten times more miserable than it really had to be, right? I always wondered, why can't I drink something while I'm sitting here? Like I, I sit and do my homework and I drink coffee, Right? 
I will do better if you let me drink coffee while I'm sitting here. But that's not, that's a rule. You don't follow that. The rules don't exist to make us miserable. The rules exist to create relationship between us and God. It's the difference between the don't drink anything in class rule and don't hit your wife, right? If I were to hit my wife, it would screw up our marriage. Everybody with me? It's that kind of rule. It's a guideline for relationship with God. And so what John is saying here is, listen, if you, like, if you belong to God, if you are following Jesus and you are not following his commandments, you're lying. You're not actually following him because relationship with God involves that obedience to his commands. Um, By this, we know that we are in him. Whoever abides in him ought to walk the same way in which he walked, meaning like if we're going to be if we're going to know for sure that we belong to Jesus, we look at our life and we say, am I imitating Jesus or am I trying Right? Am I becoming more like Jesus? Am I loving people who don't deserve to be loved? Am I serving people? Am I going out of my way to forgive people? Am I doing the things that Jesus did? Or am I kind of doing things my own way? And it's like, you know, grace is this credit card I carry around. I'm forgiven. Don't worry. I have, you know, American Express or whatever. Does that even exist anymore? Okay. I've never. Anyway. Um, So real quick. Um, one other thing here, John is not saying that you are saved by working, right? He's not saying that. You cannot earn, like, forgiveness from God. Jesus' death for us was not because we deserve it. God did not look at you and say, you are the most precious and wonderful thing in the whole world, and you've earned my son dying for you because you can't, right? God looked at you and said, you are the most precious and wonderful creation. I love you, and I love you so much my son is going to die for you. You cannot earn it. And so as he talks about keeping the commands, keeping the commands is a byproduct of being alive in Christ, meaning we have new life in Jesus, and because we're alive, certain things happen, like we breathe. Most people who are alive breathe, right? If you stop breathing and you're still alive, like you're in a horror movie, Got it? And tomorrow's Halloween, so, it, you know, whatever. That was my tribute to the holiday. Um, so, but, like, like, the thing that comes out of being alive in Christ is good works. We follow him. We want to have a relationship with him. We are um, obedient. We conform to his likeness because this is what it means to have a relationship with God. Um, it is all about relationship from that point forward. So, as we dive in, dive in. Um, as we dive in, it's the 70s painting. It makes me think jive and other things that Craig probably said when he was in college. Um, <laughs> um, keep on trucking. Uh, so we're going to jump into the next section here. Uh, this is verse 7. Beloved, I am writing to you um, no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. Now, um, what he's saying here, all right, watch. He's like, listen, I'm not telling you anything new, right? Because there are all these teachers there who are saying, hey, if you know the right things, you're saved. If you, um, you know, like, like salvation is accomplished in these ways. And John is saying, look, these people who are teaching crazy things about Jesus, right? These t- people who are misleading you, they're not telling you the truth. I'm not telling you anything new. I'm going to tell you something you've heard before, Right? I'm not bringing you a new commandment. I'm bringing you something you've already got. And he's intentionally setting himself up in contrast 
to these other teachers who were bringing out new stuff because what they had done was they looked at sort of these Roman mystery religions and they're like, those guys are awesome. Let's start like making us more like them. And they started teaching or changing the gospel to fit like these crazy pagan religions. And they're like, yay, look, we look more like the world now. And John is saying, nope, that's not how it works, folks. Um, we stick with the old commandment. We don't abandon this. Um, this is about knowing Jesus, and we know Jesus by, like, sticking with what we learned to know him in the first place, right? Um, so this is an old one. And by the way, it's an old one not just because it's what they were taught by the disciples. It's because it's what Jesus taught, and it's actually what the Old Testament teaches. Like, the cool thing about the way the scriptures are written is, despite the fact that they were written over the course of about, I don't know, why, 3,000 years-ish, you know, give or take, um, by about 50 different guys, they have this crazy continuity. They all sort of agree with each other, and they teach the same thing over and over again. And this is one of those examples. Watch this, 2.8. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Um, John is now emphasizing again, he's like, listen, the old way, but it's a new way because you've suddenly become alive spiritually. And actually, if you ever meet somebody who meets Jesus like, and comes out of the darkness, it is it's a contrast, right? You all ever meet somebody like that where like they were horrible one day and then like you run into them a year later and it's like they're not the same person because Jesus got a hold of them and changed them? Um, um, I, I can't see him in here right now or I'd pick on him, but I'm, I'm guessing some of y'all, oh, there he is. Some of y'all knew Jeremy when he was a goofy kid, right? And he did dumb things. Um, and he's not the man that he was, what, five years ago? Ten? Is that fair? How many of y'all knew Jeremy then? Am I pulling that out of the air? Nope. God changed Jeremy. He went from this to this. And the contrast is so sharp, you can't help but notice it. It is there. I remember um, my wife will attest, none of y'all knew me then, um, which is probably a really good thing. During the time when I was living in rebellion against God, when I was, you know, doing things my way and ignoring what Christ had for me, when I was broken in my relationship with him, um, there was a very quick period where I encountered Jesus again, and I started getting right, and like a month later, people were looking at me and saying, what happened to you? You're a very different person. Because um, my temper went away and my my carried resentment and anger went away. Like all this stuff washed away and it was a contrast, like like night and day, right? Um, so at the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing you, meaning it's new because the darkness in you is dying and the light is starting to shine out of you. Um, and you cannot just ignore that. Like, it is the truth that this is what Christ taught. It is what Christ exemplified, right? It's like what he showed us, and it's what we're supposed to be imitating, which is where he ended the last section. Now, whoever says he is in the light but hates his brother is still in darkness. And this is a like kind of a positive statement. He's saying, listen, if you say you were a follower of Jesus, but you've got a list of people that you swear at in your head and you lay in bed at night, and you get angrier and angrier the longer you think about them. Anybody know like what this is like or am I just whistling in the dark right now? Because it is easy to carry resentment, isn't it? It is easy to carry anger. It is easy to get bitter. I remember when I was a kid, I, 
<laughs> wow, I don't want to get lost in this. Um, I had guys who, I had this guy, his name was James, and I, I met him during my ninth grade year, and that guy picked on me more than anyone else I had ever met in my life. And he beat me up several times. And it, he made my life like hellish, right? And we moved away. I was in Alabama. We moved away, and um, I never saw him again. But I'll tell you what, I went to college and I hated that guy, right? I hadn't seen him in years, but I remembered him. Anybody remember anyone like that? And I kept that fire alive. Every once in a while, I'd have to go and throw some gas on it and think about, man, guys like that. And I bet he's homeless now. And he was short. I had nothing, and I would replay these things that kept me in anger. Um, And in reality, that is, like, oh, I don't hate him, I just... Can't help but grind my teeth when I think about them. We can sugar sugarcoat it any way you want to, right? Like if you carry around anger and hatred and resentment, that is contrary to what we're seeing in Christ, right? That is contrary to who we're supposed to be in Christ. And you will see like a clear contrast in your life. Like if you back up and you look at who you are and you say, is my attitude toward my spouse like Jesus' attitude toward like the church, towards like his followers, towards sinners like, like who are still lost, actually, because that's in Romans, right? Um, this is how we know what love is, that when you were still helpless, when you were still in your sin, like that Jesus Christ died for you. Um, many people will die for a good man. Um, I'm paraphrasing and butchering it now, um, but nobody would dare die for a wicked man, right? But Jesus shows us what love is. Jesus demonstrates what love is when he dies for people who don't deserve it. And our calling is to love folks even when they don't deserve it. But it is hard. Man, there's nothing harder than loving folks who, like, you really want to kick in the head. Right? Am I really the only person who has this? (laughs) I, I made a resolution about a week ago to not read the news anymore. I have not read a newspaper. I have not looked at a news site and, and I'll scroll my Facebook, and I've realized the stark contrast in the moments that I'm looking at Facebook and people are posting those things about the election, and I'm thinking about those idiots who are voting for the other person. I'm not voting for either of them. Just heads up. Like, like my point being, like, how, how easy is it just to resent and hate those people, right? How easy is it to resent and hate people who hurt you? How easy is it to resent and hate people who, um, who are evil, who are wicked. How easy is it to resent and hate people who are good but have it better than you? I mean, it is, isn't it? I remember in high school, there were guys who were the nicest people I ever knew, but they had the prettier girlfriend and they had nicer clothes and they were popular and everything else. And even though they were nice guys, I hated them. Just me? It is a contrast to the attitude that Christ carried, right? It is a contrast to how we're designed to be. Um, It is a contrast to the new nature that we're supposed to have in Christ. Because in Christ, in Christ, that darkness is dying away. And there's a new light that's breaking out. Um, I used to work third shift uh, at at my one place. Like anybody, like it was crazy because you would sit up all night and like you'd be fine all the way up until you started seeing the sun peek out from behind the trees. And then all of a sudden you started getting tired, right? But the whole world changes right then. Like the sun starts breaking free and you're like, oh my gosh, it's bright. 
Um, Craig's got a couple of, I'm going to pick on Craig, which, by the way, I learned uh, just today because Craig told me, if you want to spend a whole lot of money and request it, he can get any of his photos printed on velvet for you. Huh? <laughs> it costs like $1,000, <laughs> but you could do it. Like, and fine art like Craig's deserves to be on velvet. And that's why you... <laughs> I'm sorry, Craig. I, it's spoken in love. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's the best art of all. <laughs> um it's, I'm sorry, I'm not going to make any jokes about that. I'm done. I'm, I'm going to leave Craig alone. Um, but whoever says he is in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Meaning, look at your heart, look at your life, and ask, right? If, if my life is contrasted with Jesus' life, how sharp is the contrast? If my attitude toward um, those people does not blend in well but contrasts with Jesus i got a problem, right? If light isn't starting to peek out of me, if people cringe when I walk in the room because they're afraid of me like they're afraid of the dark at night when they were a kid, um, that's a problem. And what John is telling us is, listen, folks, this is how you know. You want to know you're walking in the light? Look at how your attitude toward your brother is. Look at how you act toward him. Look at how you love him. And actually, he says, like, hates your brother. Um, the cool thing about the Hebrews and the way that Jews talked in general is they would talk about love, but love isn't this warm and squishy feeling that you would, like, buy a Justin Bieber song about or, or, or something like that. I mean, like, you, love is about, like, the way that you act and the attitude you take that, like, like shines out of you. Um, 1 Corinthians 13 does that really well. Um, and by the way, just as a, I'm going to read it because I love it and because it does a really good job of demonstrating like what John is talking about. Um, this is me ad-libbing and rabbit trailing, but I have the microphone, so tough. Um, love is patient. Love, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It is not it does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Um, my question then is, how you doing? How is this? Are you my velvet painting? Are you carrying that around in your life? Um, or is like, like this new light in you obvious? Is your new life like compared to your old life, like, like my velvet painting or is your current life saying, Oh, I belong to Jesus, but here's my darkness. Um, whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him, there is no cause for stumbling. Meaning, gosh, there was a woman who I went to our one church um, and, and she was, um, she was just nasty, right? Um, she was one of the nastiest people I have ever met. Um, I, I once took a group of kids to the beach and she cussed out one of the other moms for picking up some of her beach stuff. <laughs> and the other mom took half the kids and went home and was like, why would you do that? Because she was just kind of this mean, nasty person. That's who she was. Um, 
she created stumbling blocks for other people because people would look at her and say, if that's what being a Christian is, I don't want that. Brothers and sisters in Christ would look at her and say, I have no idea how to love this woman. How am I supposed to love this woman? You know, how am I like, like, and that is it. Like if you walk in this place and you create stumbling blocks, it's a bad sign. Um, but love is as such that like we, we present ourselves to each other that like it's impossible to fall over it. Right. And actually, like you want to know the ultimate act of love. And this is the hardest thing in the world. Like, I don't know about you guys, but it's very hard for me. It is really hard for me to sit down with folks and say, this is what you're doing that's driving me nuts. And I love you. And I want to talk about it with you. Right. Because it's much easier for me to say it in a way that says, hey, cut it out. Right. And it's much easier for me to say it in a way or just to ignore it. I'm not going to say anything, but I'm going to keep this fire burning. Right. Throw a little gas on it every once in a while. Can you believe they did that? Um, This is a cause for stumbling. And it's actually a cause for stumbling for other people around us and for us, right? Because um, when I have trouble forgiving people, I fall over it. I do. When I'm angry at my wife or carry resentment toward my wife, my spiritual life disintegrates. I don't pray well. I don't, like, I don't act nice toward everybody else. I don't, like, all of these things, they go away. Um. It is a stumbling block. But if you want to live in the light, this is the attitude, this is the new way. Does that mean that you are not saved if you don't love the people around you? I think I'm a work in progress, right? I think I'm going to struggle. Um, I don't think that, that perfection is required of me. I think that like pursuit of Jesus and a relationship with Christ is what's required of me. And it's going to take me a while to get to the point that I, that I love people who I don't want to love, Right? I love them perfectly. There are people who, you know, took me years to forgive. Was I not saved until I did? I think I was. But I wasn't completely in the light. Those were dark marks in a bright light that, like, had started to come out of me because of Jesus. Um, Not because of me, by the way, because I am not a bright light. I'm kind of a dim bulb. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the, dar- because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now, there's kind of an important thing here. Um, living in the darkness is not a standalone passive state, right? Because what happens is it says, look, um, <clears throat> because the darkness has blinded his eyes, not, not just because they're in the dark, because the longer you sit in the dark, the worse it gets. Anybody ever got to be careful what I say here. Anybody ever meet somebody who is um, like, like very advanced in years and some character quality of them has gotten so out of control that it's hard to deal with? Whoa, what just happened? <laughs> is the building falling down? Um, like I, my grandmother was kind of a nasty lady. Um, by the time she got into her 70s, she could not talk without gossiping. And, like, it wasn't nice gossip. It was nasty gossip, right? She didn't have a nice thing to say about anyone. When she died, nobody wanted her ashes. Like, she was that bad. Um, my, she actually, her last request was that her ashes be scattered um, at a family member's farm, and they said no. Like, she was nasty, but she was gossipy. And the longer she went, that gossip, that that 
that meanness just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's tragic and it's sad. And actually, my, my parents helped take care of her, and they were very loving and awesome to her, and she was really nasty to him. And I would say, look at her and learn something. If you are angry and you carry anger, it's going to multiply, right? It's going to kill everything good inside you, and what you'll have left is that. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen the day after that. It's not going to happen the day after that. It's going to happen very slowly, and by the time you get to the point you're there, you'll have no idea, right? You'll become this soulless, dark, empty person, and it's horrible. Actually, I, I, C.S. Lewis said that's basically what hell is like, right? Where all the light in you dies off, and you just sit in the darkness of your own wickedness and brokenness, and you're miserable, and you hate, and you despise, and you stew, and you everything else. Um, I don't know that that's accurate, but I'm tossing it out there. Like, the truth is, if we are in the darkness and we're walking in the darkness, we'll tend to defend our darkness, right? Say, oh, it's okay for me to not like my spouse because, oh, it's okay for me to hate that guy because, oh, it's okay for me to, I met a gal, she was 17 at the time, and she was in rehab, and she talked about her father who was very violent and abusive. And, like, she hadn't seen him in 10 years, right? And she's like, she just, she spit venom when she talked about him. And it's like, I, and I said to her, I'm like, hey, you know what? You're, you're like, killing yourself. I haven't seen this guy. You ain't hurting him by hating him, but you're killing yourself, right? You're poisoning your soul little by little. And, like, she had to get high to deal with that anger that she carried around, right? But there are all sorts of things. Oh, it's okay. Like, and I said that to her, and she's like, but I'm right because you know what he did? And it's like, you are right, but you're still killing yourself, right? Spiritually, you cannot walk in the light. You cannot be alive if you're resentful, if you carry on anger and hate. Instead, we're supposed to grow to be like Jesus. Um, and it's a natural, wonderful thing that comes out of reading his word, praying, and learning to love the folks around us, like by applying this stuff, by stamping out the little fires of anger and resentment and hate. Actually, in churches, this is one of the worst things that can happen in a church is a fight. Right? Anybody ever been through a church fight? I worked for a church that there was like five or six during the time we were there. And it was horrible. It was miserable. I hated going to work every day because everyone was so nasty and bitter. Right? And it was constant tension and everything else. But when Christians fight and separate, it's a sign that we're not like obeying this. And it's usually over things that have nothing to do with the gospel. Right? It's over personal preference. It's over you know, resentment that we can't forgive. It's over unrepentance, over a sin that we committed and we don't want to say sorry. Um, it's over all of this stuff. My challenge for you this week, um, as you go out of here, is to ask yourself, what does my life look like? Am I dark with a couple of, like, fake bright spots? Am I telling people, oh, I live in the light and I follow Jesus, but that ain't who I am? Do I gripe about people that have no idea I have a problem with them? My trouble forgiving? Because if that's where you're living, John's got a warning, right? You need to clean that mess up. Um, because it's the opposite of what it is to walk with Jesus. Um, we're to love each other, especially, right? Love your brother. Um, my challenge to you going forth is to examine your life. Look at every little thing. Pray about it. Ask God. You know, Again, I said this last week. I said it the week before. You want a really honest answer, ask somebody like who is close to you and is generally honest. How am I doing spiritually? 
I can ask my wife, and she's wonderful about always telling me the truth. Like, I don't always like it. <laughs> Come ask me. I'll always tell you the truth. Um, but are you walking in the dark? Like, are you living in the dark? Are you hating people? Are you resenting people? Is there anger in you? Uh, let's pray, and we'll, we'll, we'll go have lunch. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to be people who walk in the light. Help us to be people who belong to you. Help us to be people who are filled with your Holy Spirit, that are just just pouring out um, the good stuff of life, that, that people want to be around us because light just shines off us. I pray that we would look like Jesus, Lord. I pray that we would walk in the light and love our brothers, that our secret anger and our secret um, bitterness and, and, and like, like just negativity and garbage, Lord, that you would wash that away by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would learn to forgive just as we've been forgiven by Jesus. I pray that this would become second nature, like in this congregation and in the body of Christ in this place, that these folks, like people would look at us and say, oh my gosh, I don't know what they got, but I want it, um, because they're shining out in a dark world. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I read, stand up and we'll close with a blessing and I'll let you go.